So today we are continuing our um, series focused on the vision of St. Matthew's, which hopefully is beginning to be in your head, but um, it's to be welcoming, vibrant, and serving the community, um, and to, to be a witness to God's love and action through the lenses of Christian discipleship, outreach, service, and the grace and gentleness of God. And we've been working our way through those different lenses. Um, we, th- we thought about becoming and being a disciple, and two weeks ago, Ian spoke to us about how to um, reach out, outreach, how to get to know and reach out to our local community, and next week, Ian will be thinking about the grace and gentleness of God. But today, our theme is service, how that looks for us as individuals and how that looks for us as a church. Now, I wonder what comes into your head when you hear the word service or serving others, because you might just think of Sunday service as well, but serving others as service. Maybe you think about doing something voluntary um, to help and care for other people. Maybe you think about doing this on your own or as part of a team. I do what I normally do is I googled the word and and had a look at what the the definition was. And the closest, it also talked about customer service, which will just throw us off, so I'm going to ignore that. Um, But voluntary service is the closest that I could come to. And that definition is the action of helping or doing work for someone. Very broad. The action of helping or doing work for someone. But is there any difference between voluntary service, which we know does so much good in our society and sometimes keeps us going, um, any difference between that and us as Christians serving the community around us? Is it something that anyone would even pick out the difference between church serving, someone from church serving, and anything else? And actually, does it matter to you whether there's a difference or not? Well, let's have a look at our reading today. So this is a parable that Jesus told in a series of parables following a question from his disciples about the end of the age and what will happen at the end of the age. And Jesus responds, as he often did, um, with, a se- with parables. Um, I mean, if you want to look back, um, they start in um, chapter 24 and there's different ones. And this one is all about master who leaves his slaves, they don't know how long for, with a number of talents. And as we see in our Cantonese version, it's money. So we use the word talents because that was a type of money. And we we now take our word for a talent, a gift from this, but they're talking about money. Um, He leaves them with some money. And when he returns, he asks what they have done with what he's left them. And I would encourage us to look at how the slaves respond to the master's request to look after these talents. Do they take on their responsibilities uh, that they've given and use it wisely? Or not so much, as we'll find out towards the end. So if you have your Bible open, um, you might want to look at verse 20. So we hear in verse 20 that when the master returns, the slave has been given five talents, so the most amount he's given, the most amount of money, has made five more talents. Master, obviously very pleased, and refers to him as good and trustworthy. As he's shown to be reliable, 
he will make him responsible for even more things, we're told in verse 21. Then the master's attention turns to that second slave. So this one has been given two talents. Again, made, he's doubled. He's got two extra talents. And again, the master is pleased, promises to also trust the slave with many things. So all seems well so far. Then it changes. So the third slave has not done what the others have done. He had just one talent. But we're told he says he's scared of his master. Master's harsh. He's worried about doing the wrong thing. It's what he says. And then our reading stops. <laughs> so I'll fill you in. Feel free to read on. Um, but things obviously do not go down well. This isn't a good and trustworthy slave, according to the master. He tells the slave that the least he could have done was pop it in the bank and get interest. If he couldn't think of another way of looking after the money, he could have just popped it in the bank. So this only talent that this slave has is taken away from him and given to the slave that now has the most. So the one with ten now has more. Because he's been seen, this slave has been seen to be the one that's been most responsible. So he's given all the more things, as we were told earlier in the reading, back in verse 21. So things do not end well for this slave at all. No talents thrown out by the master. And if you have read on, it gets quite graphic in terms of what happens to him. I think there's a bit of gnashing of teeth and things are not good. And as we know, this is a parable. It's a story. And this is just before I get into how we might apply this. Just a couple of things to note that you might be thinking, oh, this doesn't feel very nice. Um, the slave calls the master harsh. And that seems to be that slave's thoughts on him. We don't hear that from the other slaves. But we're also not encouraged to then think, oh, let's do a, tra- a, a straight comparison with this master and God. Because we know that God is merciful and kind. He does judge, but he's kind. He's not a harsh taskmaster. We also know that we are loved by God and that we do not earn our self into the favour of God. We are, as we heard earlier, we all mess up all the time. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are saved. So this is not about earning your way into God's favour or to heaven. That's not what this is about. We know by the grace of God, through Jesus, that's um, how we have a relationship with God. So if we leave those two things aside, and that's not what this is about, then what's going on? Why is Jesus telling this parable? Now, as I said earlier, this was an answer to a question. This and a few other parables that take a different slant on this. The Jesus' disciples had asked, tell us, this is in Matthew 24, tell us when this will be. When are you going to be returning? When will the sign of um, your coming back and the end of the age be? Essentially, Jesus is saying to his disciples, there's going to be a time, and as we know, quite a long time, a time of waiting, but that's not a time of not doing anything. This is what I want you to do while you wait for my return, says Jesus. 
and they don't know how long it's going to be, like in the parable. They didn't know how long their master was gone, but they were told to be ready and to do something in the meantime. I don't know about you, but when you're waiting for something, I was having a chat with someone about this earlier, when you're waiting for something and you don't know how long it's going to be, that's really tricky, isn't it? How do you keep your focus? How do you keep yourself ready? How do you not get distracted and take your eye off the ball? Now, the disciples and us are warned against this. And one commentary I was reading about this and looks at that slave that didn't do anything, talked about him playing it safe. He was worried about getting it wrong, so he didn't do anything. He may well have been waiting a long time. He had lots of time to do something, um, but he didn't. He didn't make the most of what he had. And as followers of Jesus, you may have, like, maybe on this, but we don't have the option of playing it safe. Nowhere (laughs) have I seen where it says, oh, yeah, yeah, just, you know, play it safe, don't take any risks. That is not what we're called to do. We are given responsibilities by God for a reason, to use them for his glory and to serve others. However long we have to do that, (laughs) we don't know. And we all have a variety of resources, giftings, responsibilities that God has given us. Just in the parable, some will have ten, some will have two. It doesn't really matter, actually. God decides what he gives us. But it's our role to use what God has given us, whatever that might be. And it might take a while for us to figure that out. And we might need someone to help us along the way. But one thing I think might stop us sometimes is we think they have to be big things. They don't have to be big things. I don't know about you, and we had a little bit of chat about this in the kindness in the all-age talk. If you think of really kind things people have done for you, often they look like small things. But they're all about that noticing that we were talking about. You know, someone who notices that you're not doing well and they respond in the way that's going to help you. So it might be giving you space, like we were hearing earlier. It might be checking in with you. It might be noticing if your neighbour's okay and helping them out. Or if their, obviously I think a lot about bins, if their bin has thrown itself across the road and you go and grab it for them. That is really kind and thoughtful for people. And some of this will be particular talents we have and some of this is just keeping our eyes open, isn't it? God wanting us to love those around us for others, but also for his kingdom. And it's linked to what Ian was saying two weeks ago about getting to know the people in the local community. As we know people better, we can also serve them better. We can be more attentive to their needs. But at the beginning, you'll remember I said, is there any difference between voluntary service and serving the community as Christians? Well, all we do is for God. Or at least it should be. All we do is for God And this is part of our being a disciple every day, every part of our lives. We look at what we have to give and we use these things for God and for those around us. And just a 
couple of chapters earlier in Matthew's Gospel. In um, chapter 22, um, if you want to look it up, it's verses 37 to 40. Jesus is asked which are the greatest commandments. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. So basically, all we need to remember to do, love God, love your neighbor. Everything comes out of that. And we know it's not quite that simple and we know that we don't always get it right. But loving our neighbor is key. It's what we're called to do. And in Hebrews, it also talks about, in Hebrews 13, verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We are called to share what we have, loving our neighbour, sharing what we have can mean many things, can't it? It be time, resources, all sorts of things. And this might be on our own or working with others. Here at St Matthew's or outside, it could be It'll be things that we're already doing as well. Looking after the church gardens, supporting the local schools, looking after the buildings for the use of everybody around here. But it may be something that we might want to just have a reflect on. What are we doing? What else might we be called to do by God? Um, What is it that I have to give might be what you want to ask yourself. What has God given me? What has God given St Matthews could do more together where and how is God calling you to serve in and through the church here so many things to think about Um, but I just want to leave you with a conversation I had with someone uh, recently he said to me he's a Christian said to me he starts each day with a simple prayer um, asking God to bring people to him that day and for him to be ready to speak to them, spend time with them, whatever it is he has to give. Um, I was impressed by this. I was partly impressed by this because I'm not a morning person. So remembering to do this each morning is a challenge, and it is still a challenge since I had this conversation. And to be honest, I'm more likely to pray at 10 or 11 in the morning than I am at 7 or 8. But I don't know if that matters. I have lost a couple of hours. But I think the point is... He is intentionally going into each day, rather than thinking, I've got so many things to do, how am I going to get them all done? He's going and going, where do you want to use me today, Lord? Which is impressive, and it's something that I want to get better at doing. And we might want to pray a similar prayer, maybe something like, help me to follow you and help whoever I meet today, or help me to keep my eyes open to whoever needs my help, or simply... Where do you want to use me today, Lord? And as we go out of church, not quite now, but later, um, and look at that banner that we were reminded of by um, Ian a couple of weeks ago, which says, if we're looking up, go out into the city to love as Jesus loves you, that we reflect on that again today. Amen.